Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to Reads Like a Four, the podcast that deals with reviews, critics and criticism. Uh, this week I've got a story of tragedy and triumph that involves reckless spending by corporate overlords and also uh, the redeeming power of fans' faith in a good music magazine. Um, Metal Hammer is the magazine I'm talking about. At the tail end of 2016, there was a particularly dark day for everybody who worked at the title that had been running for 30 years at that point uh, and was effectively the heavy metal bible. Um, they were all called into a room told that their uh, jobs were over that the title was folding that the parent company had gone into administration uh, that they weren't going to be getting paid for their work in December and also there was no redundancy payments either uh, a shitty day for heavy music uh, what happened next was really great uh, not only were the titles saved uh, and still published to this day but also uh, to try and help the journalists over that difficult Christmas p- period with no pay fans rallied around a um, a Kickstarter started by Ben Ward of Orange Goblin, uh, a band that Metal Hammer had always uh, supported over the years. Uh, that brought in a ton of money and also showed just the level of fan commitment to the title and a kind of a slightly different level of uh, of excitement and support that exists amongst uh, the heavy metal com- and heavy music community. Uh, today's guest, as you probably would have guessed from this rambling intro, is Merlin Orderslade. He was on that day and remains today the editor of Metal Hammer magazine. Here's him talking a little bit about that. So I'm the editor of Metal Hammer magazine in the UK. Uh, we're the world's biggest uh, heavy music magazine, uh, covering everything within, kind of under the banner of heavy music in general. So you, you kind of got your straight up metal, heavy metal, thrash, black metal, death metal, deathcore, uh, anything that's under that banner. But we also do, uh, you know, rock and roll, grunge, punk, hardcore. Um, and everything in between uh, we even sometimes do stuff that's technically speaking outside the rock realm uh, you know heavier dance stuff as well very occasionally um, basically if it's under the banner of heavy uh, that's what we cover um, and I've been editor here now for coming up to two years um, before that I was deped, deputy editor for uh, a couple of years um, and then before that I was news editor before that I was online editor so I've been at the magazine for about um, god it's coming up to seven years now I think it is this year um and our job uh, quite frankly is to is to bring people the the very best and the biggest in in metal and heavy music each month and we are a monthly mag uh we're on sale mainly in england but we're also on sale across europe and we have a pretty uh pretty big audience in the us as well um and we also have quite a big prominence uh online now which i'm very proud of as well we've got one of the biggest um social media followings not just in rock media but in in media full stop and it's now numbering the millions across across the website across facebook twitter and everything else um so yeah we're very proud to kind of be at the forefront of of everything that comes under the banner of heavy music it's great to finally get a guest that's embroiled deeply in heavy music one of my own personal passions uh merlin and i have dj together at last resort which is a great pop punk rock and emo club that you should all check out if you can at last resort club on twitter uh, or facebook.com slash last resort club but we're not here to harp on about that there's uh, far more chat about heavy music fan devotion, Metalhead's tolerance to bad reviews, um, and I've got a, a query about uh, Dwarves, a chariot, and an awards ceremony that Merlin can finally put to bed. So here we go, without further ado, let's talk to Reads Merlin. Like Awesome. Um, so 
if it's all right with you, I'm going to start on a downer and then build to a glorious climax at the end. Um, so Mate, it, wherever you want. Okay. In the introduction, I would have talked a little bit about... Um, about uh, some of the stuff that happened with the magazine last year or or, 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 or Christmas last year, and um, yep. and and the fact that like a lot of print titles, you know, it's it, it's not always plain sailing. But the, the the thing that I thought was really interesting and and seemingly unique to you guys is the is the fan support that that followed followed those um, issues and the fact that there were you know people trying to yes. crowdfund to support writers through Christmas. What is it about that Metal Hammer that you think inspires fans to support it in that way? Because to be frank, if the sort of things that, that were happening to the magazine were happening to Grazia or even like Q, I just don't think people would give a fuck in, in the same way that they did for you guys. Well, um, yeah, I mean, it's very nice to hear that. And, uh, and I'm very proud of that. And I think, and I think I'd have to agree. Um, uh, I mean, when it comes to, to the fan dedication that we inspire, um, I think, honestly, that's simply a reflection of metal culture in general. Uh, metal is still bizarrely often seen as this kind of niche genre and this niche subculture. Um, but the reality is it's one of the biggest genres and the biggest cultures within music across the world. And once you're, once you're a metalhead, you're a metalhead for life and you will stand by the bands that you support and you'll stand by the things that you support until the death. And I'm very, was very proud to see that metal hammer evidently came under that banner. Um, I think it's important to point out as well that, you know, while we print is obviously not doing as well as it has been in years gone by, um, when when Metal Hammer and um, our sister magazines, Classic Rock and Prog Magazine, did kind of get into trouble in Christmas 2016, uh, that was very much a case of our owners at the time um, having made some, you know, a number of probably not totally wise spending decisions over the few years that they owned us, um, and they got themselves into some trouble and had to go into administration, and that meant that. You know, we we almost got taken down with them, but um, it was actually uh, Ben Ward and his missus, um, Ben Ward from Orange Goblin, that is, who who did of course start up the 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 um, crowdfunding campaign for us because we're very good friends of his. We have a very good relationship with many of the bands we cover, and Orange Goblin are absolutely no exception to that. They're a huge um, band for the English metal scene, huge band for Metal Hammer. And um, Ben's a guy that we've known for many years, and he very kindly kind of recognised the fact that a lot of people, as I said, not just Metal Hammer, but across Classic Rock magazine and Prog magazine, all the other um, uh, com- all the other kind of roles that came under Team Rock, which there are many more of, uh, you know, we'd all suddenly found ourselves without an income right before Christmas. And um, he decided to, you know, just try and do a good thing. And very quickly, a bunch of other great bands from across the scene picked up on it, from Avenged Sevenfold to Hailstorm to Arsenal Alexandria. I think Queen posted something through their socials. I think Rush might have posted something as well. Um, so it wasn't really just uh, just um, specific to Hammer. What happened, it was kind of right across the uh, all the different cultures that make up our, our sister mags as well. Right. Um, and, and like I said, I think it just speaks to how strong the, the you know the brotherhood and sisterhood um is within heavy music if you're if you're in our scene you are in it for life and we we look after each other and it was it was truly awe-inspiring to see that uh, kind of inaction like that and of course you know future here we are now uh doing a really nice job um looking after us now they recognized that there was still mass potential and there was still a necessity for magazines like metal hammer and others and um you know they came in and they took us back under their wing and now we're we're on our feet and we're rolling as we have been for 18 months now. That's ace. I mean, it's also it also felt kind of poetic to me that a lot of the the issues caused by basically you know reckless spending of people at the very top of the pyramid ended up being kind of partially solved by people you know arguably at the bottom of the pyramid or the readers if you like kind of kind of chipping in where they can. It's almost like the opposite of uh, of irresponsible spending. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a nice I guess there's a nice little uh, dynamic there. Like you said, it's a bit it's almost a bit poetic that. It was it was taken literally back into. I mean, it obviously, uh, you know, it's kind of more of a moral thing than it's not like they kind of were trying to buy out the mag or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. But it was it was you know it was a real show of force and it was a show of love and it was a show of what at its core Metal Hammer is all about. Yeah. Um, do you think? Obviously, we talked we, we talked a little bit about you know metal fans being being very unique in in music circles. Um, do you think it's a double-edged sword? Are people more likely to, to come at you when they perceive you got something wrong or they disagree with your opinion, more so than a fan of another genre? Um, 
that's a hard one to say. I mean, I do enjoy other types of music as well, and I do kind of dip in and see what's going on in those fandoms as well um, every so often. But I think what's you know definitely the case is that metalheads are just extra passionate about their bands. They're extra passionate about their music. Um, and even though it might come across like, um, you know, a bit moany or whatever, if someone comes at Metal Hammer or, or doesn't like the way you cover a certain band or doesn't like a review you've done or, you know, doesn't think you should be covering certain bands, of course, is always the, the popular one. You know, this isn't metal that shouldn't be in the magazine or that kind of stuff. Even even when it might, you know, be a bit of a difficult thing to have to get kind of thrown at you as, a, as an editor or as part of a team you know that it ultimately still comes from a love and a dedication to the music. Um, I genuinely do believe that metal fans are the most passionate fans in the world. Um, I'm not just saying that as an editor, I'm saying that as a metal fan. <laughs> uh, and I think, you know, so yeah, may, maybe there is more of an inclination to, to get a bit of stick if, um, if you, it, I, to be honest, I don't think it's so much if you don't, if you review a, uh, an album in a certain way, I think it's much more across the kind of band you cover mm-hmm. and what what the perception of what counts as metal and what counts as heavy music is. I think that's kind of what we experience more as an editorial team. Um, do you think be, being a magazine that, that kind of focuses on a specific area of music is what helps uh, magazines like, like Hammer survive? Do you think if you had a broader remit or, or you diluted what it was about, people would drift off? And do you see other titles that try to do too much or change too quickly suffer? Um, I do think that it definitely is a... Um, a real waste up our sleeve that we are, you know, as I said, metal is seen as a niche genre and, and I don't believe it is. I think it's a, a massive and wide ranging genre, but at the same time, it's, um, it's, uh, it's a very, fo- you know, for what we do, it's a very focused, um, kind of, um, narrative. It's a very focused audience that we, that we cater to. Um, and I think that does help because, uh, like I said, if you're into metal, you're going to be here for the long haul. And so, and as long as there's a healthy metal scene, which, are, you know, there always will be because it's a very self-supporting scene. And um, there's always going to be the opportunity for a magazine to, to cater to that and help curate that and help, you know, bring people the very best new bands, bring people those world's exclusives with respected artists and heritage acts that make up such an important part of the metal scene. So, um, so yeah, I think it does help. I think it helps a lot. Um, I, I mean, as for other magazines reaching too far i think i mean there's i don't think there's any ironclad winning formula to keeping a magazine uh, successful in the modern climate beyond just playing to your strengths and in some cases that's making sure you cater to a dedicated audience in some cases that might be experimenting a bit more but i do think that in times like these where print is is struggling i think what you don't want to do is start just throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks. Um, that's, that's never a good sign to me personally, where if you, if, if you pick up a magazine, no matter if it's a music magazine, film magazine, whatever, um, and you don't feel you quite understand what it stands for and what it's covering and what it's kind of reason for being is, uh, to me, that's a problem. And that's representative of a magazine that doesn't really understand what it's, what it's there for. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there are there are lots of areas of music journalism where I think people don't necessarily need to be experts to thrive. But I wondered if you think that metal writing is, is is quite different. Do you think it's a place essentially for people who love metal and heavy music through and through and always have done? Um. Well, I, what I to me I think to be a good music journalist, you need to know your shit. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't know if certainly you won't get away with bullshitting to metalheads. Um, if you're, uh, you know, if you're reviewing a band, I think, I think if you're a really good interviewer and you are prepared enough and you are, you know, you're good at getting the right kind of questions that you're, you're good at recognizing the opportunities to strike up interesting conversations with artists and stuff. I think you can create a good interview and a good feature from a band you might not be so familiar with, because a lot of that comes down to what your angle is and stuff. Um, but certainly when it comes down to reviewing, and again, depending on what what your interview is about and, you know, missing key reference points that an artist might throw out because you don't know what you're talking about. Generally speaking, you do need to know your shit. Um, with other genres, I mean, I, I can only speak for myself, really. There's some genres that I would still feel quite comfortable probably writing about if I got, had the opportunity or if I was interviewing certain artists and stuff. And there's some that I would not know what the fuck I was doing. And I would hope uh, that 
most people would feel the same. Um, you're always going to get bullshit artists in every industry. And, you know, the heavy music scene is no different. There's been a few, uh, you know, people that probably don't know their shit so well that have managed to get certain positions or I'm sure have made decent careers out of it. And there's probably some very knowledgeable and dedicated people that haven't quite got where they want to be. But that's just the nature of business, really, I think. I don't think that's unique to, to our industry or any other. Mm -hmm. Um, looking at the magazine as a whole, you mentioned this briefly earlier. How do you decide where the limits of Metal Hammer's coverage begin and end? Are, are, are there any examples you could give of bands that are maybe on the border of what you'd cover and, and reasons that you either included them or didn't? Yeah, there's quite a good um, example for this, actually, which I'll get to in a second that's come up quite recently. But I think the key points to whether something gets in Metal Hammer is, is it heavy? And heavy doesn't have to mean you know, uh, big fuck off riffs or like blast beats or screaming, um, heavy communion, a variety of different things. Um, furthermore, you know, does it feel right? Like, does it feel like it belongs? Again, it might not be because of the music. It might not be because of the image. It's just about a certain kind of indescribable something that just makes it seem like it's a little bit out of sync with what the mainstream is and just not, it doesn't quite fit there. So maybe it belongs with us. Um, and, you know, do we think, our readers will be interested um all our readers don't have to like everything that goes in the magazine no i don't think anyone i think very few people would open an issue of any music magazine and go i like every single thing that's in here i don't think that really happens um well very rarely anyway but i think if at the very least it seems like interesting or it seems like it belongs at least if it seems like a part of the wider culture of metal or heavy music in general then it, then it belongs and there's a good example of this that's come up recently because there's this kind of um growing phenomenon in the underground at the moment called synthwave and synthwave is um essentially dance this dance music movement um where it's basically a bunch of guys mostly from mainland europe um who have kind of started developing this kind of 80s styled synth heavy um like if someone mixed up a john carpenter soundtrack with an action movie soundtrack and kind of layered it with really heavy metallic uh synths um, and often they have like live guitarists and stuff and live drummers and things like that. The kind of obvious example of this is a guy called Carpenter Brut, who we've actually just announced for the Met Hammer Golden Gods, which I is saw, our, yeah. Um, yeah, it's our award show, which is happening uh, on June 11th, um, right after the download. And um, so Carpenter Brut is a guy who, you know, he's not a metal band. That is not a metal thing. It's essentially a DJ or a dance producer or whatever, however you want to describe that, whatever suits you, making... Um, a kind of heavy, fun strand of dance music. And we thought we thought it was cool. We thought this is really interesting. And when you watch his videos, the visuals are all kind of 80s schlock action and horror, which is very, very relevant to metal fans. We love all that shit. Um, and so I went to see him a couple of times. I went to see him once in France and once in um, London when he played Coco. And at both gigs, there were metalheads everywhere, like everywhere. Um, and so on an absolute grassroots front row ground level, you can see that, metalheads are into this stuff and it's like you know i'm sure some people will read our interviews with him or come to golden gods and see him live and just think this is not metal this doesn't apply to me i don't understand why this is in the scene and that's fine but i can guarantee you that there's also a ton of metalheads that absolutely love it and seem to gravitate to that kind of stuff much more than they would any kind of mainstream dance artist or anything like that so that's quite a good example of something that on first glance feels like it's kind of outside our remit but actually when you dig beneath it what he stands for and what he represents and what he kind of does is absolutely pertinent to us and i think it's um one of the most fascinating success stories of the underground at the moment and he's one example there's loads and there's perturbator there's ghost not the band the big band that are currently on our cover a different guy called ghost um dan terminus like there's loads of these guys it's a real movement at the moment and and they're not just getting booked for dance shows they're getting booked for like extreme metal festivals in in northern europe and all this kind of stuff so it's a really interesting example of how metal isn't just a sound, it's a feeling, it's a way of life, it's, a, it's, a, it's a something a bit deeper than that. Mm -hmm. And I guess also that just by the act of booking him for, for the Golden Gods, that makes it pertinent to, to, people, to readers, it makes it pertinent to people that may have, may have missed it otherwise. Yeah, I mean, I guess, um, you know, we're never going to force the issue on this stuff, we, we don't, we're not here to just kind of dictate and, and say, you have to like this and you have to accept this. 
Um, if we believe in something, we will push it to the moon because we believe in it. It's important, and it's important to stand by the stuff you genuinely believe in. But I think what we're doing is just reflecting the fact that, hey, there's something really interesting and really different to anything else in metal happening in this funny little corner of the scene right now. Um, so, yeah, we're going to give him a bit of a platform to show what he can do. And um, I'm absolutely confident that when people see him at the Golden Gods next month, he'll, um, you know, he'll win over a whole load of new fans. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, the parallels between heavy music and horror, because I think there's a lot. And I think sure. one, one of the things that you, you kind of mentioned briefly earlier is that sometimes there, there's a perception that metal isn't as big as it is. And I think there's also a perception of people to be quite dismissive of horror. And I think there's also a group of people who, you know, it's hard to imagine people being like, I fucking love drama or period drama. But there are people who mm. feel that way about horror. And similarly... You know, absolutely. The, the passion for horror and the passion for metal feels quite similar. There's obviously there's obviously metal musicians that have that have made and contributed to horror movies and so on. Um, yep. Do you think there's a danger with both of them that people? Um, I, I, I was talking to, to the people behind the Heavy Music Awards recently and uh, about this kind of thing that that there's a danger that the categories and boxes that are currently available, whether it's the Mercury Prize or the Brit Awards or that sort of thing they're the things that need to change, but they're waiting for the music to change. Um, the, the, there's kind of... The, the, the sort of gatekeepers of those things imagine a sort of a reticence of their audience that doesn't really exist. If, if those people had, you know, good horror, good, good metal, good heavy music put in front of them, they'd be receptive to it, but the people who decide whether it's put in front of them or not are, 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 a li are worried, are, are a bit scared of putting them off. Well, so you, you mean like... If um, if metal and horror was given more of a mainstream platform, yeah, would I think, people would people gravitate towards it? Yeah, or and, and I th I think that I think both both are big enough that they should have that platform. But I think the people that are in control of the platforms are needlessly worried about the reaction to to including them. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think first of all, like absolutely, horror and metal. Are, I think the two most natural music and film bedfellows that are. Um, you know, I don't know when this is going out, but as we speak, we've currently got Ghost on our front cover, who are this kind of Swedish, um, uh, you know, heavy metal bands who are dressing corpse paint and, and have this kind of weird, quasi-religious, satanic uh, imagery. And we've got one of them holding a decapitated head on our cover right now. So, I mean, yes, horror is very pertinent to what metal is all about. Um, what I will say is that I think... I think even though you've got certain metal bands like Metallica and Maiden and stuff who can fill stadiums and are kind of as big as most mainstream mega rock bands you can mention, for the most part, I do think metal is is seen as a bit more subversive than horror is in 2018. Um, I kind of think if you look at where cinema is, I think horror is horror's always had that thing where people will go and see a horror movie because it's like a cool thing to do. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? And I think films like you look at the kind of post-conjuring kind of films and Annabelle and um, uh, my mind's gone blank now, but like even stuff like the witch, which is a bit more subversive and stuff like that. I think that I think horror is kind of having its moment in the sun a little bit more where I think your average quote unquote film going fan would probably still be quite likely to go see a horror film if they heard it was good fun and they wanted to check it out or whatever. You know, we had it in the, the, the late nineties with scream and all those kind of slashes, they were like totally taken over the mainstream, had it in the 80s as well. Mm. Um, so I think horror does kind of get its moment in the sun a little bit more. But in terms of getting recognition, I mean, yeah, I don't think <laughs> anytime metal gets a moment or a spotlight um, in a mainstream awards show, it feels like it doesn't really go very well. Uh, the Grammys has quite a long history of kind of mucking it up when it comes to metal from yeah. um you know, Metallica losing out on uh, best rock performance to Jethro Tull to uh, um, Dave Mustaine and Megadeth finally winning a Grammy, but then playing Metallica when he was walking to the bloody stage to Metallica and Lady Gaga collaborating, but the sound going wrong. Uh, it doesn't ever quite seem to go right. Um, and I suppose really as well, you probably won't see, you know, The Conjuring 3 pick up a, a, one of the main Oscars anytime soon, I imagine. Um, but if, if they did, I mean, I think most people, if you give them the chance, are a little more open minded to stuff than you probably think. I just think 
it's hard to break down that barrier because most people who have got into metal and to a lesser extent horror films have kind of gone a long journey like to get to the point where you're a 30 something 40 something 50 something metalhead you've had decades of growth and evolution where you've grown to understand the scene so i think just grabbing somebody and just sticking a behemoth cd in front of them and going like this make this big or make this mainstream isn't quite gonna work because it's a bit deeper than that yeah yeah and i'm finding well one thing that's that i'm finding with horror particularly is that now that there are horror films that are doing particularly well and kind of you know slightly slightly odd horror films things like it follows and get out and stuff like that yeah exactly it, it, so yeah there's loads of good two examples which i can think of yeah but it feels it feels like a, a lot of the people who are kind of you know on 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 sort of critics panels and things like that are talking about those films and having to sort of say well yeah it's an amazing kind of post horror or it's a thrilling drama like it's almost like they're scared to say yeah it's just it's horror yeah. and it's good like it's it's like yeah. they have to qualify it somehow yeah they have to yeah I, I know what you mean they have to kind of quantify it because the idea of horror is that it has to be i think people i think the the, the um the idea of what horror is has changed a lot because i think a lot of people think to be horror it has to be gruesome and bloody and it, or you know guts and heads have to be flying everywhere and all sorts of stuff but really horror is just it should be horrifying it should be scary that's that's all that really means which yeah. is why Get Out is a great example of a of a horror film because it's that kind of really tense, horrible, nasty um, film that um, gets under your skin, but also has a little bit of a tongue in its cheek sometimes. And that's yeah. another really important thing with horror. And that's something that metal often has as well. Like metal is often seen as, you know, super po-faced and serious and denim and leather and studs and whatever. But anyone that's seen like, you know, anyone from Sabaton to even Iron Maiden can appreciate that you know metal knows how to kind of take the piss out of itself as well yeah absolutely and i think it, it ties back to what you were saying earlier as well in that you know metal metal can't be distilled down to you know screaming or, or power beats or whatever and in the same way horror isn't you know isn't decapitations and and liters of blood it's a feeling as much as it is you know a, absolutely a genre. I mean, I thought that I thought if you want uh, the most metal horror film I've seen in recent years, then The Witch mm. is one of the best horrors I've ever seen. I love and The Witch. From what I can remember, I don't think it gets particularly gory at any point. There might be some uncomfortable bits, but, you know, that whole film isn't even really about what's going on on screen. It's about a feeling that just yeah. runs through it. Like the second that opening shot comes in, you just feel unte- you feel tense, you feel on edge, you feel horrible. And I just think that creating that atmosphere is way more effective than... Um, you know, just slashing the shit out of stuff. And I think the very best metal speaks to something a bit more than than that. It doesn't have to. It can just be, you know, fuck yeah, heavy music, awesome. Let's do some breakdowns and stuff. But I think any 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 kind of art that can speak to you on a bit of a deeper meaning than than what initially seems to be there on the surface is is what I gravitate to. And I think what a lot of um, you know, fans within different subcultures gravitate to. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. As well. Absolutely. Um, so in your, you've, uh, we, we mentioned you, you've been at Metal Hammer for a long time in, in a range of various guises. Um, in your time there, what's been the most rewarding project, feature or cover that you've worked on? 
Um, most rewarding. I mean, I'm very lucky to have done some really great things. Um, uh, I mean, uh, my favourite band of all time are Iron Maiden. I think they're the greatest band that ever lived. And um, one of my, I would say, unlikely ambitions was to one day hopefully get to go on Ed Force One, mm-hmm. which if uh, people who are unfamiliar with that, it's, Iron Maiden basically have their own plane. Uh, their singer, Bruce Dickinson, is also a pilot in his spare time. Um, <laughs> and uh, he, when they do their proper all-encompassing world tours, they literally all pile into one massive jumbo jet painted up with the Iron Maiden regalia and Eddie and everything else. Uh, the Bruce Dickinson literally flies around the world. Uh, they've been doing that for about, I don't know, 11, 12 years now, I think. And um, uh, in 2016, I actually got to go on Air Force One and I got to um, you know, fly with Maiden across Mexico and do a special cover feature for them there, which was just, for, for, for a fan, um, was just the most amazing it was beyond anything i ever thought i could do and it was the point where you kind of go i think if you are lucky to be able to find a job you enjoy um especially within an industry like the print industry you know you got to cherish it and you got to appreciate it and enjoy it because opportunities like that really don't come along um very much and that so that so getting to interview maiden and getting to do all that was just something that to this day, I still can't quite wrap my head around, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of a wider project, um, we did something last year for our 300th issue, um, which was kind of uh, a little bit ambitious, but it came together quite cool, where we decided to um, stage uh, a kind of state of the nation address and, um, you know, kind of take the chance to to take a bit of a critical eye over the metal scene as it is in well, what was then 2017, and just say, you know, what are the big issues affecting the metal scene in 2017? What, uh, you know, how is our house in order? What could we all be doing better? What are the biggest problems we have, we have to face right now? And, and what's the future looking like? And so we kind of gathered together um, a series of big panel debates. And so we had Corey Taylor and Randy Blythe talking about the future of the scene. And uh, sorry, Corey Taylor from Slipknot and Stone Sour and Randy Blythe from Lamb of God. Um, we had them together, uh, shot together and interviewed together. Um, talking about the health of the scene and, and the future and the bands they think are kind of looking really promising. Um, we had Jamie Morgan from Code Orange, who are a brilliant young band that everyone are very excited about, chatting alongside Ben Wyman from the Dillinger Escape Plan and Eddie Hamida from Suicide Silence. They were talking about whether metal um, doesn't take enough risks and whether the scene is too safe and whether we need to be a bit more open-minded about what comes under the, the banner of metal, like we were just talking about earlier. Um, we had um, Larissa Stupa from Venom Prison and um, uh, Elisa White Glu- uh, Gloose from uh, Arch Enemy um, talking about uh, extreme music and how extreme metal has changed. Death metal is different now, how the, the kind of face of death metal has, has shifted a little bit. Um, so we had, all, you know, we had Dave Mustaine and Scott Ian together. We had, uh, God, uh, we had Papa Emeritus from Ghost was in there. Jonathan Davis from Korn was in there. Um, Ice T, who's a hip hop legend, of course, but also has his own metal band, Body Count. Um, we had, it, and we basically got them all shot together and put on this big wraparound cover that had, you know, basically a who's who of the biggest names and, and most exciting names of metal today. Um, and that was a really exciting project because it felt like it was a it was a celebration of metal, but it was also a, a piece that wasn't afraid to kind of ask some of the hard questions about where metal is right now and and how we should all be feeling about it in, in 2017. And um, it was a big success for us. It's a really good seller. And um, yeah, it was a project that we we're all uh, really proud of to work on together. And it came together fantastically. Nice. Um, and what's the, what's the biggest risk that's paid off? Something that could have fallen flat or, or cost a lot of time and resources, but, but was a huge success? Um, well, I think one of the, uh, I think any magazine cover you put together in 2018 or, you know, the surrounding years, could be deemed a risk, really. Um, you know, no one knows what's guaranteed to sell a magazine. Um, we're in very difficult times for that. And I think when it comes to metal, um, again, this is one of the topics we talked about in issue 300 last year that I just mentioned. Uh, you, you have very few kind of what you'd say, quote unquote, guaranteed cover sellers. Um, and so anytime you kind of put a relatively new or young band on the cover, you're taking a risk. And that's something we're proud to do. Um, you know, this year alone, we've had, I mean, Architects aren't a young band, but they're from a slightly different cloth than a lot of traditional Metal Hammer bands. Uh, we, did, we did a cover of them. We just had 
Code Orange, Venom Prison and Power Trip on the cover. Um, and we, we're going to be doing a lot more of those as we move forward. But um, there's one metal phenomenon that has really taken the world by storm in the 21st century that no one was anticipating. Um, and that was baby metal. Mm-hmm. Now, if I imagine quite a lot of people who aren't even into metal would have heard of baby metal by now. But just in case anyone who hasn't, this is basically a kind of really heavy, legitimate, serious heavy metal band fronted by three teenage girls in kind of um, Japanese kitsune attire. So it's this bizarre um, mashup between J-pop culture and heavy metal. Um, and uh, so basically how Metal Hammer kind of came to be all over this was in, God, it must have been 2014 now, maybe, I want to say, something like that. Um, uh, I, I was online editor at the time and I was doing the news editor stuff as well. Um, and I was, uh, you know, just surfing around, looking for stories, seeing what was going on in the world of metal, as you do. And I found this video on YouTube of this band Baby Metal playing the song Gimme Chocolate, which is kind of their first big breakthrough hit internationally. And um, I just looked at these three like young girls dressed like kind of something out of an anime or something, um, all jumping around stage doing like synchronized dance moves while this really heavy band were riffing behind them. And the video had about 5 million views on it. And I just thought, what the hell is this? So um, I, I kind of went to my boss at the time and said, uh, can we put this on the website? I think it's, you know, they're called Baby Man. And it's got a metal band in it. I don't know how people would react to this. And he said, yeah, yeah, let's do it. Um, and we put it on there. And the thing fucking exploded. Like, mm. we got one of the biggest reactions we've ever had for an article. And so uh, they ended up um, getting a bit more attention, I think, off the back of that. They ended up getting booked for um, for uh, uh, Brixton. Oh, was it Brixton? I can't remember where they played first. I think they played Sonosphere Festival. Got a massive crowd for that. Then they ended up playing Brixton and basically filled that out out of nothing. Brixton Academy was like 5,000 people. I mean, for any metal band to play Brixton Academy is crazy as it is. So mm-hmm. for this kind of weird oddity to do it was just wild. Um, and then they ended up getting booked for download. And off the back of that, we said, you know, screw it. This band should be going on our cover. Now, um, in black and white, when you say, hey, there's this band that's kind of metal and they've just gone from nothing to headlining Brixton Academy and playing download putting them on the cover isn't, might seem like an obvious thing to do. But as we discussed earlier, um, metalheads can be a somewhat cynical bunch when it comes to certain yeah. bands. And I bet the huge reaction when you first covered them wasn't entirely huge positive No, reaction. no, it was not. Um, it was kind of... The thing I always say is that people barely log into the internet, go on Facebook, look at a news article, and go and post on it and comment on it just to go... I like this. Mm. That doesn't really happen. People will only go and comment on stuff on the internet if they are throwing an absolute shitter <laughs> or whatever it is you're doing. And yeah, so, you know, as big as baby metal seemed to be getting, they were also extremely divisive. So it was a big risk to put them on the cover because you just you just don't know if you're going to, for every kind of bit of interest you might peak or, um, you know, every new fan you might bring into the magazine, you might get a few thousand tra- quote-unquote traditional metalheads going, hell no, this is not metal, this is what not, um, it's not what I'm about, screw this, I'm never buying your magazine again, or whatever. Um, so, you know, we were a little nervous about that, and it had also been a little while since we'd had a new band on the cover that sold particularly well, because that's just where the scene was at the time. Um, and so we didn't really know what was going to happen, so we did a baby metal cover, um, we gave it a really cool treatment, which is um, uh, something that my boss at the time kind of came up with, which was cool, kind of did like a, this kind of uh, Japanese like manga magazine style treatment which is really cool um and it was something that we took a long time to convince our superiors i really went to bat for it to make it happen and, and uh, luckily i was supported by them at the time and we kind of got it through the door and there was certainly a bit of bated breath you know when we first revealed it online there was you know more than a few shitty comments about it a lot of people moaning so we just thought god how is this gonna go you know when we put it out there um but it felt exciting and it felt exciting to do something different. And, and it ended up being, I think, apart from Iron Maiden, who are our biggest, traditionally one of our biggest sellers, um, it was our biggest selling cover of the year. So it was a really cool bit of vindication to just throw your weight behind something that might seem like a bit outside of the box, but it's something that is worth pursuing. Because like I said, if we believe in it, we will push it. And we believed in that band and we still do. I mean, 
I think they're, they're one of the most fascinating things to ever happen to the metal scene. And we're very glad to have kind of, um, you know, bagsied them <laughs> in terms of we've we kind of vindicated them being part of the metal scene and we've taken them under our wing. And, you know, they're one of our flagship 21st century bands now. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I think that's one of the one of the difficult jobs that Metal Hammer seems to do so well is the balance between the kind of old guard and new bands. In terms no, of thank you. in terms of, 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 of interviews and cover features, how do sort of aging heroes compare to younger bands in terms of how easy it is to get access, in terms of what they'll talk about, and in terms of how interesting what they have to say is? Well, one of the things we're most proud about at Metal Hammer is that we have a great relationship with the artists that we cover, and that you know that doesn't come from being sycophants that doesn't come from just you know always sucking up to bands or anything like that it comes from years and years and years of um you know presenting bands in a respectful but impactful way of being unafraid to ask um you know hard questions but fair questions and you know not stitching bands up not just kind of go for lazy controversial hits or, or patronizing our readers or anything like that um you know we do we do write by the bands that we cover and we do write by our readers and so there's a good mutual respect between us and the artists we cover and so while you know i can't pretend that i can just pick up my phone and drop james hetfield from metallica a, a whatsapp and go all right mate do you want to chat or anything like that um you know we do tend to have a pretty open dialogue with any artist you can name really i mean there's certain enigmas you know like you have marilyn manson's and your trent Reznor's and your Maynard James Keenan's like they're always going to be uh you know certain personalities that are kind of forces unto themselves and they're perhaps a little bit harder to um you know do certain things with um but we still do manage to get them and we still do manage to do great things with them and I, and I think you know young artists are always seem very grateful for Metal Hammer coverage which we really appreciate and we're very proud of um anytime we we put a younger band on the cover it's always something that feels important to us and it feels important to them and that's great um, but we'll always do right by the kind of, you know, the older bands as well, the veterans and the legends, because Metal Hammer's been around for over three decades now. We've been at the front lines of metal that entire time. And so if someone like Iron Maiden or Metallica or Black Sabbath is looking to do a, a decent interview with someone, we they know we'll do right by them because that's what we do. And that's a relationship we've nurtured over many, many years now. Mm-hmm. Um if you could pick one artist that, that's always gold, a great interview every time, consistently amazing records, and popular with readers, who would it be? I guess I guess I'm asking if, if Metal Hammer were one band or artist, who would that band or artist be? Um, well, I think when people look at Hammer, uh, I think there's I think there's two I think there's two bands that come to mind. I think for many people, the band that kind of signify and symbolize what metal hammer is because they pretty much symbolize what heavy metal is is iron maiden um i'm not just saying that because they're my favorite band um but you know every time we do an iron maiden cover it's always a big deal and it feels like a big event because um we're always the first to kind of unveil new artwork and the next chapter of where they're going next in their career and new album stories and everything else there's always interesting what maiden are up to and the kind of the excitement and the grandeur and the, you know, we talked about the relationship between horror and metal and um, kind of seriousness, but also having a bit of fun. Iron Maiden totally sum that up. You look at like what Eddie is, their mascot, you know, that's basically this kind of badass on occasion, kind of gruesome looking cool character who's also tongue in cheek and a bit daft and good fun as well. Um, so Maiden absolutely symbolize that. I think, I mean, in terms of, you know, I'm 31. I came up in the new metal generation. And so there, I think for a lot of fans as well, another band who really feel just totally symbolic with what Metal Hammer is, is Slipknot. Um, you know, from, from the very first album, we've been absolutely on the front line with them. Um, we've been very proud to kind of reveal new masks and new chapters over the years. Get uh, We got the world exclusive first interview um, for the last album, um, uh, volume five, uh, sorry, chapter five, um, uh, and they, they're, you know, whereas Maiden slightly predate Metal Hammer, um, Slipknot have, we've been alive and and very active ever since Slipknot have been alive, and we've been there with them every step of the way. And you know that Corey Taylor is always going to give a fantastic interview. He's not shy of his opinions. Mm-hmm. Um, he knows the kind of the big lines that are going to get people excited and interested in what he's doing. And they always look amazing. Again, it goes back to that kind of horror relationship. They look awesome. They look badass. Um, and it's big. It's fun. It's gruesome, 
um and anytime slip there's a new slim album out you know it's a big fucking deal and um so, so for me i kind of feel like slip not the band that will probably Many readers will most strongly identify when it comes to Metal Hammer. Okay, cool. Um, we're almost at the end, but one thing I do in every episode uh, towards the end is that I've got five uh, phrases or sex segments of writing. Some of them are yours, some of them are not yours. Uh, and so we're going to play a little quiz to see if you can recognise your own uh, voice. Well, mine personally? Yeah, that's right. Oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> shit. No one's uh, done this before. No. Okay, so here we go. This is the first one. A dazzling collection of high, uh, sorry, a dazzling collection of highly charged, progressive, and emotively atmospheric rock songs that rarely dip below the euphoric. Do you think you wrote that's that? That's not me. That's nah, not that's not me. It actually is. That's no, uh, really? yeah. That's a, that's a review of uh, Anathemas. We're here because we're here for rock sound. Oh, from rock sound. Many years oh, ago. I remember that. I should. Do you I... know what's really funny? You said that, and I thought I never review prog. So that can't be me. Uh, and then I thought, and then I actually thought the one time I did review Prog was when I did Anathema for Oxart many years ago. Well, okay, the, cool. uh, the, yeah, That's, I, that your review is only 10 years old. I probably should have wow. pre-warned you. I've gone quite deep into the archives for some of these. Okay, cool, so, cool. Okay. I have my metal hammer head on, but uh, yeah, that's uh, fine. All right, this is number two. For nearly 20 years, Mr. Ulrich, Mr. Hetfield and their various bandmates have channeled the basic adolescent experiences of alienation, frustration and rage into melodramatic, at times self-consciously mythic squalls of sound. That's definitely not me. That isn't you. That's A.O. Scott in the New Yorker talking about some kind of monster. Um, okay, cool. Number three. Inspired by the crushing track Perpetrator Emasculation, the illustration depicts a rapist being force-fed his own mutilated junk by three women. As Larissa well, explained... Go on. That's definitely from Melthammer because that's Venom Prison. Well, it is, um, it, yes and no. It is, it is Venom Prison. Um, are you saying it's you or not you before I go on? I don't know. I don't think it's me, but it is Metal Hammer. Okay. Well, actually, it is you. It is Venom Prison, but it's not Metal Hammer. It's when you were... Oh, is it from Music it's Week? It's from Music Week. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, right. I did a thing. And uh, Music Week very kindly invited me to do a thing on New Vampires, and I picked them. Mm -hmm. Cool. Uh, number four. Its Sabbath-esque riff could level trees and scare police horses. It's completed by Aussie-style vocals from twet uh, Fret Twiddler in chief, Brent Hines. And do my ears deceive me? Hand claps? Definitely not me, because I would never use first person. Uh -huh, that's right. It's not you. It's Patrick Smith on Mastodon's The Hunter for Drowned in Sound. Uh, okay. Finally, number five. Bringing his always impressive-looking space-agey backdrop to the party, it's a shame that the sunny afternoon slot guts out any chance of a good light show. Uh, I'm going to say his always... I uh, don't know. I, th I, I think it might be me. Guts out sounds like something I would write. Uh huh. It is you. Uh, that but that was uh, that. Is, this is a really left field one. That's you. Is it uh, e festivals? Yes, it's an e festival review of Sub Focus many many years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I told oh, you. God. I told you. I dug deep. Um, so I think actually, I don't think that was that many years ago because that, that I think that was when I went to SW four last year. That's so right. Oh, it was last year. Okay. Yeah, you've ousted me there. All right. Super dance fan. <laughs> um, <laughs> I I think that's a two out of five, but you know, that's okay. All right, fair enough. Can <laughs> um, I have a two and a half? Because I recognise it was Venom Prison. Oh well, yeah, I'll give you a half for that. That was fair because it's ba yeah, that was that was tricky. It was basically wow. metal, metal Hammer writing, but not in Metal Hammer. Um, Shout out you for go for googling <laughs> <laughs> some serious googling done. Uh, one last thing before we wrap up. This is more just something I need to get set for, for my own memory. A few years ago, I was at the uh, I was at the Golden God Awards uh, back at Coco. Um, which we've already talked about, but just so people are aware, it's it's where basically it's, it's basically Metal Hammer's award ceremony with the best heavy bands play and are given awards and all kinds of mayhem ensues. I yes. was I was at the upstairs bar. I was very drunk, and I I, I should point out that if this was at Coco, by the way, this is before my time. Just oh, so is it? Know. Okay. Well, all right. You yeah. may you may still be able to shed light on this. I don't know. I remember at one point the dance floor parted two dwarves painted gold emerged and they pulled a carriage through the crowd and my question to you was did this happen or did i imagine it because <laughs> i genuinely can't was, remember if it was at coco this sounds like it would have been in about the mid 2000s in which case that was a very interesting time for metal hammer and metal in general so i can imagine that did happen okay all right that's good i'm just glad i'm glad i hadn't I, it was either that or i drunk to the point of insanity so i'm, I'm glad yeah. i'm glad it may it may have been real <laughs> awesome. I think that was legit okay well that brings us to the end of this thanks so much for talking to me 
No worries. Thank you very much for the opportunity. I appreciate it. And, uh, and as always, we always really appreciate any support for Metal Hammer because, you know, there's a lot of it out there and we never take it for granted. Awesome. Um, is there any, what's the best place for people to get in touch with you or stay up to date with what's going on? Um, well, I mean, as far as Metal Hammer goes, obviously we're on the new stand every month. So go and check us out. Go pick us up and, uh, and see what's happening in the world of metal. Um, we're online as well. I mean, you can Google us, but metalhammer.com. Uh, we've got a you know, big old following on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram as well. Um, if you want to talk to me personally, I'm on uh, Mo underscore Hammer on Twitter. Um, and so, you know, whether it's just uh, people want me to have a look at some writing or just want to talk about the magazine or, or whatever, that's probably the best place to, to get me. There we go. Horns and high fives to Merle Alderslade, this week's guest on Reads Like a Four, the podcast that deals with reviews, critics and criticism. If you're a critic or you know of one that would like to be on a future episode, get in touch. ReadsLikeAFour at gmail.com. If you want to follow us on Twitter and Instagram, it's at ReadsLikeAFour. Uh, after most episodes go up on a Friday morning, we add uh, further reading to Twitter, articles and writing that relates to the discussions that, and topics that came up in this week's episode. So take a look there for more of that. Until next week, when I'll be back with a brand new critic thanks so much for listening and goodbye hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.